Hello, and welcome back to not the Alchemist Club. The Alchemist Club After Hours, I think is what I called this last time. Something uh, like that. That we is are, correct. are out of uh, episodes to post, unfortunately. Again. Apologies. Uh, this time, we can lay the blame squarely on Daniel uh, for taking a honeymoon. How dare he? Uh, he went abroad which is why we weren't able to record last week. And this week, he has come down with the infamous drinking water stomach bug, famous, famously acquired when you go abroad and drink the water. Uh, so, he's not joining us, which means that I, uh, Joe, your host and Dungeon Master, will be sitting back and relaxing while the <laughs> four remaining members of the Alchemist Club uh, present here talk to you about random nonsense, and uh, they are... A-Hall. <laughs> You're first now. Yeah, it's weird. You really don't. I'm Zach, by the way. I'm Matt. Waffle played by his stunt double. Why do you mention that? Because this leads right into the topic that I've told Joe I had prepared. Oh, boy. I... So I watched, finally, uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, oh, God. It's an incredible film. Uh, but my topic for the evening is how on earth would we deal with having, like, a, a meta campaign? Or, like, a campaign that is aware it is a campaign. How would, how would you do with that? That's literally how I run it. Is like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes, for you, but the rest of us don't get to do that. So. Well, how, elaborate a little bit. What exactly so do you mean by that? The, the plot of uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, Nick Cage is out of money. He has to go to a birthday party and gets swept up in a CIA operation where he has to act as if he is going to do a movie with the guy the CIA are spying. Mm. So I... They become best friends, and both of them are talking out all of these things that are like, oh, man, you know what would be really great is if, like, most of this movie was this adult drama with really serious topics about two guys who just happen to meet up and become great friends. Uh, <laughs> and they come up with this while on LSD. And so as they're driving on LSD, one guy says, now it might just be the drugs talking, but what if we had this great drug scene right in the middle of it? And then, like, the entire rest of the movie from that point is, like, both commentary on, like, making a movie, but they're also setting up the exact plot of what they're about to do. You just don't know how it's going to play out. Uh -huh. So at a certain point, they're like, well, what do you say we go over to the uh, to the cliffs and work out this third act? And that's it's literally like two thirds of the way through the movie, and then that is the third act is them at the cliffs and the stuff that happens afterwards. Like it's ingenious and beautiful, but also it's Nick Cage, so great assault. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I haven't actually seen that particular movie. Just for uh, disclaimer, but. What you're describing sounds a lot to me, uh, at least conceptually, like the Muppet movie, if any of you have seen that. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Because it's got that same kind <laughs> of, like, the movie is taking place during the movie, so to speak, where Kermit is trying to 
get the crew together to go to Hollywood to make the movie about how Kermit got the crew together. Uh, and, yeah. Um, so in that case, I mean, it's a very, like, goofy, on-the-nose, fourth wall. I think at one point, um, Dr. Teeth has the movie script and is using that to uh, keep tabs on and meet back up with uh, <laughs> Kermit and Fozzie and Gonzo, etc. Um so I think that's one way you could do it is you could just go like whole hog, uh, you know, comedy fantasy with it. But um, I think you could also do the the angle more like uh, what you were talking about, where you have like a play within a play kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, which are are always really fun in my opinion. I I like working on those. But um, something where it's like either the adventuring party has been contracted to reenact some great deed that they did like the saving of the world um or so i think there's like two options that would be great either the party did actually save the world and they're being brought back into a soundstage like 30 years later as like a reunion tour reenactment and like all of them are kind of washed up and they've all gone their separate ways and then like during the filming of the movie there it turns out that their their evil arch nemesis that they destroyed is behind it all somehow the director. And they have to, yes yeah. exactly and they have to do it all over again but instead of in like dungeons and everything it's just sound stages of the dungeons that are equally dangerous for authenticity's purpose um or the other option i could see is um a group of heroes saved the world. You are not those heroes. You are actors in that world playing those heroes and ending up, you know, thrust into their shoes through no, no, hold propaganda on. twist message. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. This is Galaxy Quest. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess this is Galaxy Quest. Uh, yeah. But like e each of these has their own like twist on it, right? Mm -hmm. It's ah uh, fascinating to me or like uh the video game chroma squad where it's you're, you're these actors who are trying to make a power ranger show and then you eventually end up actually being power rangers mm. but yeah that, that this is my topic is like how how would this work like players within the play or like uh -huh. Is there literally uh, a MacGuffin script that everyone is trying to get a hold of? <laughs> like, it, you all have to fight to see what happens on the next page or something? The script um, says they get another shot. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't or, the script says he's not, he doesn't die here, but he just failed those saves. Or, and then the character like, just bolts upright. <laughs> or, it, or it's the Seinfeld route of, like, making the making the show on the show or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have to ponder that. Because it's a fun <laughs> idea. I also kind of like the... Like, there's a, a wizard who's gone insane and is just forcing everybody to LARP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And gives them, like, equipment that lets them use the abilities for the classes that they are in the game. And if they use any of their actual abilities, they like take penalties or damage or whatever. Barbarian has to be like a fairy princess. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
the the setup of Hollywood exists, fantasy Hollywood, uh-huh. and fantasy Hollywood is run by an evil lich who decided uh-huh. long, long ago that this is, you know, the, the more profitable and more successful venture here. Ooh, um, and so maybe... the party is infiltrating via pretending to be actors starring in a movie about themselves maybe <laughs> that's Thunder. what maybe that's what our buddies did when they escaped our, our lich buddy right? <laughs> like, <laughs> he went off to found a cinema business yes. <laughs> what that's would the, you do if you were a lich yeah uh, learn how to skateboard um, after that uh learn how to skateboard really well <laughs> okay learn a spell that can summon half pipes you are you are now tony hawk the lich what do you do next <laughs> I get recognized but in a way that makes me feel ennui <laughs> i i'm at the grocery store and they look at my ideas i'm buying a bottle of wine for a nice evening at home and then they go oh wow tony hawk like the Lich. I'm like, yeah, exactly like the Lich. Huh. Wonder what he's up to these days. This. God. Tony Hawk. It's one of my favorite internet things. Like, It's really yes. funny. It's just it's so really good. good. Are you on YouTube or something? Nah, man. Nah, I'm not. I just skate. Uh, oh, God. Fantastic. If you're not familiar with Tony Hawk's perpetual misidentification, <laughs> inform yourself because it's it's so perfect. It's just uh-huh. wonderful. <sighs> so, yeah, that's that would be fun. I also like the idea of a play within the campaign where the characters are forced to act. Also, classic trope, <laughs> very amusing. I would yeah. never do it because Terra Jux has the actor feet. Because I would be it's too easy. phenomenal at it. No, Terra Jux would have to direct. Oh, yes. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Cut! Farrakh! Again, I want to see tears in your eyes. I want to see you weep! And Terra Can you Jux even is... see me from that far away? Terra Jux is under constant watch from the producer. Yeah. <laughs> Who is his other version, Terra Jux? <laughs> Who may or may not exist. <laughs> yes, the uh, evil producer that I have to keep at bay lest they destroy the entire production. <laughs> Whenever we start to fall behind schedule or budget, the sun is briefly eclipsed by the shape of a hot air balloon. <laughs> I turn back to the group in a cold sweat and I go, all right, people, chop, chop, we got to do this in one take. <laughs> I want pyrotechnics. I want catering. I want motorcycles. I want everybody in their post in five minutes. But, but sir, there's no light. The eclipse. <laughs> the lighting's all wrong. We'll do it live. <laughs> Fall Rock uh-huh. is... Um, one of the lead actors, but also the uh, best boy, Grip, uh, whoever's in charge of light. It's the entire lighting department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lighting department. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know movie terms, so I'll be using them interchangeably, and everyone will be like, ah, ah, no, that's not what. Ah. And I'll just be like, look, that's what it is in Jux. All right? 
That means Desmond has the best strip, though. <laughs> You're constantly making little changes because people keep making mistakes, and it's like, oh, wait, no, 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 that, that is a mistake. That's not what's supposed to happen, right? <laughs> Well, yeah. This is so in... That's what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In all these hypotheticals, Desmond is the only one with a script. Yes. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, that is functionally divination. Like that's a divination wizard. Yeah. That would be a fun. Uh kind of gimmick class as like a oh this class is specifically all about fourth wall breaks and so you just have like limited ability to be like mm, that's here in the script that's not how it goes mm. and all of your stuff would be like changing dice rules or uh you know swapping spells out after they've been cast and things like that i've already been working on why terajux can't see terajux's negative clone <laughs> just gonna nip that right in the bud yep. there is a 30% I... chance of these three other options and if if, Terajux, if negative Terajux ends up being like uh, Terajux Lord Commander the Fae we're all fucked <laughs> uh -huh. because in that universe Terajux takes all of our Ashling blood in order to turn into a Fae takes our barony and becomes lord of the uh, military of the Spring Court. I don't think, I don't know if in this version that we would have gotten involved with the Fae, though. Well, like we still don't know. Like that might be involved, yeah. that might be in our, uh, you know, true church contract. No dealings with the Fae, <laughs> so. But we were involved in a shallow kind of way, very, very early into our adventure, so... But if we never left, how can oh, we be involved? interesting. So your theory is that these directors are us if we never escaped. That's what makes sense to me, but... That does make a lot of sense, yeah. It's just, <laughs> we've been captured by the True Church so many times, it could be any number of points <laughs> where we decided to stay for good. Who could keep track, really? me um there's the timeline where god you want to talk about like what ifs the timeline where uh desmond's calm emotion on the uh on steinar silverforge steinar silverforge didn't work and we're yeah. all just oh. unconscious <laughs> yeah yeah rock gets put in the box uh-huh <laughs> or the first time we encountered uh what's her face when ched just walked up to her as a dog and oh, like my rubbed, god. Her, oh, yeah. rubbed her leg oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You definitely <laughs> should not have Leyland's also Leyland's first impalement. That was so. Leyland's first impalement, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. What if we just ran into a Leyland that had never been impaled? And uh, then I'm... impaled him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he deserves it if he hasn't. <laughs> That's gonna be one of my questions. Like a he's... sweater, like Mr. Rock. Yeah, like, he's oh. very well adjusted. Oh, you sweet summer child, and then I'm going to stab him. So. Leyland is going to become a villain roaming the multiverse, impaling all of his other selves out of vengeance. Yeah. I think that's a plot from Sentinels. <laughs> <sighs> oh, 
yeah, I I think uh, there's a lot of different ways that evil Terrajux could go. I uh, I'm bummed that we fumbled the ball so badly on the uh, the Ched one because we're all very stupid. Um, myself heavily included there. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, ironically, we have a lot of wisdom-based characters, but no one with intelligence. <laughs> oh, my intelligence is crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine too. It's like a 10. I, I reflect on this sometimes, how funny it is that you can have really high deception without having good insight and i've been thinking a lot specifically about when we do face down terrajux if instead of being like oh omnipotent storm sorcerer lord fey whatever it's just like just terrajux but sneakier it's gonna be really funny because neither of us are gonna be able to tell that the other is lying uh-huh you can't go in we're just we're both just gonna like point blank to each other other's faces say the most insane bullshit and we'll just be like hmm okay all right checks out but let me one-up you with this declaration i have if your father shift to the stars is in that room we're all screwed too uh-huh. if what? it's gonna be total Terajux. chef to the stars uh-huh Juxian elite <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> With his sentient pancakes. Yes. I don't. I don't have any questions. I had all this prepped like two weeks ago. (laughs) Um, It's gonna Uh, be great. I. I still don't know who's gonna be the most difficult for us to deal with. I was expecting Ched to be a lot harder, honestly. Um, It's gonna be Leyland. I yeah. I know who would be the most difficult to deal with from a DM's perspective if you are in fact facing your <laughs> shadow know. doppelgangers. It's uh-huh. it's going to be Falrock because he has infinity HP. <laughs> well, yeah, if we yeah. actually have to fight him, yes. Yeah. I'm just going to throw water on his mechanical bits. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really have all Look, exactly. as soon as we came up with this, I specifically requested that it not be Mecha Falrock. Do you think I would be so tawdry as to introduce Mecha Falrock as a sub-director? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> after all the build-up, after everything we've been through over this nearly 200-episode podcast, a sub-director... You know I am impressed we made it this long without doing the evil copies thing. Like, it it really seems like something we should have stumbled into a lot earlier in our campaign, just given all of the, like, multiverse, dimensional, hatchling, true church science cloning. Like, there's so many opportunities for us to have run into ourselves. <laughs> and the fact that it's in a place that completely blindsided us, and we're like, what? It's great. It's good I don't even know if they're actually uh, actually your doppelgangers either. Look, it's until we have proof, which we will likely never, never ever get, we're going with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we also really bundled the question stuff at, with with Desmond. Oh, of course so. we did. Yeah. <laughs> of course we did. Partially because Desmond was being Desmond about it. So. That's yeah. right. We're... Do you know how hard it is for for Joe and I to like type while we're talking to like <laughs> yeah. make sure this is the continuity is correct? Do you have any idea how hard that is? Uh-huh. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a it's a thing. It's a thing. Oh, I'm sure it'll all work out. I mean, we've yeah. got what? Like, well, just, you know, Chad was so straightforward. I'm sure the other ones are going to be identically. Uh-huh. We'll just go in there. We'll chat them up. They'll give us the key. Right. <laughs> sure. And then we'll have to face the final boss with no spell slots because we'll have burned them all on puzzles. <laughs> That's the plan. Every yeah. every time, every time somebody's like, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast cure wounds on the flesh slab," or I'm gonna use one of my creation slots to to burn through the flesh slab. All of these things seem to revolve around the flesh slab. Um, yeah, it's like, all about flesh slab. Oh, the good. hit new comedy coming to CBS. <laughs> I'd watch. <laughs> I wouldn't though. That would be gross. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> She's a recently graduated florist. He's a slab of flesh. <laughs> and together, they're roommates in an old <laughs> abandoned apartment complex. Demographics 50 to 75 love it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I imagine it would be kind of like uh, Garfield stands Garfield, where she comes into the room sighs and says something about Clark at work and then looks over and the camera pans across a uniform <laughs> square of meat just kind of like sagging on the floor there with surrounded by flies and then she sighs and says, oh, of course you'd say that and the live audience laughs. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, yes. I'm enjoying the resource expenditure. It makes me happy. <laughs> I had somebody ask me today if I was a malevolent DM or a beneficent DM. And I was like, malevolent. well... Malevolent. Well, it depends who you ask. Malevolent. <laughs> I'd say neither. Malevolent. Depends More malevolent you... than I am, certainly. Is that true? It is I true. I've so. had several people. I mean, I had yeah. several people tell me after listening to the hiatus episodes that I was a lot meaner than you are. <laughs> you you just have more rules, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You you have set boundaries that you work within, whereas everything in Shattered Cosmos is like. Is this cooler than what I thought of originally? Yes? Okay, we're doing it. <laughs> we're, it's retroactively canon, yes. 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 That, that's 100% true. If the campaign is not kind of like a a flaming wheel rolling down the hillside faster than I can keep it, pace with it, it by really the fun? end of the campaign, <laughs> I've done something wrong. Like... <laughs> They always got to get away from me just a little bit near the end, where it's like, okay, this is unmanageable, but in the best way. <sighs> I'm sure uh, it's it's a, a stark contrast between us. <laughs> I have to be on top of things. By which, I mean, as on top of things as I can be with a party like uh-huh. this. Yeah, well, we we try. Yeah, we are veteran yak butters, and uh-huh. there's only so much you're gonna be able to do to hold that in. Yep, yep. That's that's true. That is we very really true. are experts when it comes to 
taking the best laid plans and shredding them into confetti. Uh huh. It's okay. Even even our own best laid plans. <laughs> yeah, especially. especially. <laughs> That's the first casualty in every conflict. Is yes. specifically our plans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. It has sharpened my improv skills considerably. I bet. I could imagine. Is there something um, big planned, or I guess by the end of this arc, we're going to be at episode 200, probably. Yeah, thereabouts. We've got nine left. Um, 191 Mm. was the last one I edited. Yeah. We're going to have to do a recap. And then, I guess, catapult you to the astral plane to talk with Toady again. Yeah! Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll end up there somehow. Yeah, I'm sure. It's not like I have ultimate control over what happens to you. Worst case, Desmond can perform another Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. That's how we got out of there. Yeah. It is. And that's how you're going to get in. Ronald Reagan Ellipticus Eversee. Yep. (laughs) One of the most controversial chapters of the manga, to be sure. (laughs) I'm just absolutely one of the best lines, though. Astounded that it fit in the title space for an episode. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I I was thinking about that when I was editing this morning about uh, having to recap again. And if I don't, I don't know if this is true for you all, but it feels like a lot more space between this last recap on this one than it did 100 to 150. Hmm. I... Didn't we, like... See. like any, yeah, I didn't even look at what, was, what, where um, we were at. Oh, yeah, okay, so... 151... Was that right at the coronation? Yeah, that was, like, mm-hmm. right before the coronation. So, well, we had the hiatus in there too. That's what part of it is. God, you, oh, you know what? There's that, yeah. and also I've had many significant life changes. That's also then. true. That's like yeah. this is this is that's a year. Like this is a year ago is one fifty one. Uh huh. O- over a year ago. So. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 I think uh, if we're if we count. Uh, Shattered Cosmos hiatus episodes. I think that explains the... Because uh, that was, what, like a 10-episode? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 10 episodes. if you count Session Zero. Mm-hmm. Really, as far as the recording goes, it's over a year ago when we actually started recording yeah. those. So I'm just looking at when they were posted. Man, time's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we had the, uh, the 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 whole going to the the tree ship stuff in there. Yeah, and then the training montage. Yep, and then the kidnapping 
time skip and then another training montage, right? <laughs> or... wow. Yep, and then uh, going back to oh, uh, right, because Hopsinopolis. Um, the start of the hiatus was us getting kidnapped. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're doing a mini recap right here, listeners. <laughs> Shit. It's it's, it's really prepping. just us trying to remember where the yeah. heck we were. Yeah. Just really prepping ourselves for the real one. <laughs> Which is still what, like a month and a half away. Yeah, thereabouts. Uh, maybe a little longer, depending on whether or not you know people are around to record. Yeah. We really need to. Uh have like a like a drop in drop out one shot format in like another system that we can do for these this was i mean matt and i were briefly talking earlier about having people who are absent just not there for whatever reason and recording the alchemist club without them which i'm not a super big fan of and is also difficult to do when you're you know in the middle of a, a true church fortress yeah yeah I, I like having everyone here. I think the chemistry is... I mean, that's what the people come for, right? I, yeah, for one assumes. They come the story. For the it's the... <laughs> it's us like, just doing our thing. Yeah. But having like a... Like a side thing. Yeah, I agree. I, I think a backup plan would be nice. Um... But, you know, the less we have to use the backup plan, the better. So maybe not having one is more incentive to just continue trying to get together. Maybe. I I had a thought, Joe, and I have no idea how it would work. It would probably take a ton of planning. But perhaps, like, a sort of uh, prequel, perhaps, around the... uh, the years after the hatching and like the rebuilding of Ooh. the uh, the continent using the um, uh, using a quiet year or something. Oh, could I've be always wanted to try really that. Really interesting. I like we could turn just the quiet year into what like four or five episodes by itself easily yes but but i was saying like if you wanted to add like if we did want to do it in the within the uh world though, yeah 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 like i thought like that could be where it could could fit you know because that's supposed to be what it is about is either preparing for some sort of cataclysm or afterwards right mm-hmm. so but it would take a lot of prep and planning obviously yeah and that would have to be because i don't know how easy it would be to like stop we'd have to do the whole thing in one go which could be three four hours Uh, i mean as long as like i think like just really detailed notes more than anything i'd be willing to run like pathfinder modules that's a thought go back to the old 3.5 esque (laughs) Mm-hmm. Waffle might die. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, I would need to find a character builder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Um, I do feel like for like a drop in, drop out, fairly short notice kind of thing. Like we we found out that we would not be having our our delightful bird uh, uh like today, 
So something that doesn't require a whole ton of prep, maybe like a lighter system. I feel like that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I would have to look into. I'll force you all to play Numenera with me. I'd be uh, willing to give that a shot again. I'm <laughs> yeah. more open-minded to having <laughs> like consumables now. God, that is really like the biggest hurdle of Numenera is being willing to let go of things. (laughs) Listeners, but what if I need it later? (laughs) For those who are unfamiliar, this is a system that we tried using before in a setting that we tried using before. The premise is not mature enough to handle losing my things. (laughs) The premise of Numenera is that the world, like it's set on Earth, but a billion years in the future, and like. Empires have risen and fallen, and some of them human, some of them entirely alien to what we understand as, you know, living organisms, what have you, etc. And the idea is that now uh, characters are living in the detritus of these ancient worlds, finding random bits of technology or magic or sometimes both, and... Uh, the the game revolves around the idea that you can carry a certain number of these like artifacts that are typically single use and break down after you use them um, that have very potent effects. So there are there are two major hurdles to the um, to the Alchemist Club enjoying Numenera as we discovered when I ran a session uh, a long time ago. The first of which is they don't want to give up their stuff even if the whole premise of the game is you get lots of stuff and use it and then you get more stuff. Uh, The second (laughs) is that at the time not everybody was entirely happy with things not having explanations built in and I could just do whatever I wanted without having to justify anything. I think I'd yeah. still have trouble with the second part. <laughs> that, that is really like um, that's the hurdle I keep running into whenever I look at running Numenera is the like you can sprinkle in all these cool weird you know terrain features and objects and oh here's an obelisk and it causes milk within a thirty meter radius to levitate and at some point I feel like that has to have like an explanation or a purpose even if just the dm knows it to give it like a a grounding in the world and a importance otherwise everything just feels so immaterial and it's like the yeah. world is just as consumable and single use as the objects and i'm like huh we would have to find out like that they're lactose intolerant and they use that as like a milk separator but yeah what the reason why they shaped it like an obelisk doesn't really matter where <laughs> it used to be like a weapon uh, of mass destruction yeah it used to uh lift and arrange cows as part of a meat packing facility and it still lifts and arranges anything associated with cows conceptually so the concept of milk is still affected by this what to our eyes is an obelisk but to back then would have been like a you know industrial power tool essentially that kind of stuff for me is where it's like yeah because then i can I can project myself back and be like, what was life like for the meatpacking factory in those days? And they would have the same questions back then of like, why do these weird gold things cause weird effects? Yeah, it can have an equally absurd rationality, but there has to be a rationality. Yes, I agree with that. For me, it boiled down to theater of the mind is hard, 
if I can't wrap my head around anything, like mm. if we're we're in a dungeon, and yes, this is the descriptions of what's going on, but at any moment it can go from technological to this is very clearly magic and cannot be explained by technology or has no explanation at all. I'm just like, what? And I become as confused as the character is? And it's just like it, almost a deadlock for me is where I ended up with. I'm like H.P. Lovecraft, where it kind of jumps mm-hmm. back and forth and blows your brain. Mm-hmm. I really like Numenera. I think it's very neat. And it is if you like if you think about it as like a roguelite RPG. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It... I have all Again, the source it's a, books. It's a different, uh, just a different philosophy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cool stuff in them. Yeah. Oh, I I steal stuff from Numenera like continually. It's got every now and then I'll just like rifle through it and pick out like a bit. Uh huh. And then uh, try to give it a contrived explanation and then stick it in Shattered Cosmos. But, yeah, I think having having a drop-in, drop-out system is probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know if mm-hmm. I would DM that. Maybe. I think it'd be cool to have uh, something where we could have rotating DMs. Like, yeah. Whether it's everyone's running their own separate worlds or it's a distinct continuity that we're all contributing to, I would I would really be interested in seeing the outcome of that, just with everyone's disparate styles mixed. Chaos. <laughs> Blood space war. I mean, what is that any less chaotic than what's happening right now? There. Yeah, we've all got our own thing. Probably. Matt, what would your world look like? Well, you know, we all know what each other's would. Matt, what, <laughs> what would your DM world look like? Oh, I'd, I'd have to think about that. <laughs> like <'cause>... a witch. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I DM'd, so. And you have like... you have learned many things since then. Yes, yeah. So, I think if I was to DM again, I'd have to. I'd have to really think about how I'd want to do it differently and whatnot, but I mean I don't know. The book Joe and I have read recently that might be some interesting ideas. That from, would be fun. From that, yeah. Adventures on the Solar Sea. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Listeners, I'm not familiar with this. Listeners, if you have not heard of or read The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern do so immediately. Yeah. Is that going to be one I'm going to like? Because I am looking for an audiobook. <laughs> I I read it in January. I'm not sure. And it is one of my top five favorite books of all time. All wow. right. Yeah. Fantasy? Like, like piratey stuff? Uh... I wouldn't call it necessarily fantasy, mm, but I it's, mean, it, it's definitely got fantasy elements. Like, it's low fantasy, and that part yeah. of it takes place on, you know, Earth in roughly okay. this time period. But it, it lodged itself in my brain. I have not been able to remove it to the point where I'm thinking about using it for my 
I'm in a book club for my next book club choice, even though I literally read it two months ago <laughs> because I want to read it again. Yeah. The audiobook's really good as well. It would be a really good audio. It's really good for you want an audiobook because it's got yeah. like eight different um, narrators for all the okay. different parts of it. And they're all really good narrators. So. If I got an hour hour one way commute, I, audiobooks, I live <laughs> yeah. by those things. Yes. Absolutely. It, yeah. It's a really good audiobook. It's a really good just book in general. Yeah, it's a really good book. It's a really good book in general, but as far as audio like I I've read some audiobooks that I was I just so happy to have credit. And friends, friends of the Alchemist Club, it has bees in it. <laughs> well, let's have a lot of those. Excellent. And and owls. Yes, there are also owls. Or one owl. Sometimes. It's hard to tell. While we're on the topic of uh, recommending things, and also on the topic of bees, um, if any of you have not seen or looked into the RPG Wander Home, uh, yes, it is very very cool. It's a powered by the apocalypse hack that is like kind of red wall, you know, the small animals doing things inspired but it's a little more like slice of life uh kind of like interpersonal connections than like a mouse guard type thing where it's like uh you know desperate struggle for survival against an owl mm -hmm. and hmm. most importantly i think uh wander home is beautifully illustrated and mm -hmm. uh has such wonderful classes as uh a uh, let's see. One of them is a person who collects uh, small and forgotten gods and gives them little shrines and homes. Uh, there is a class that is a shepherd, but instead of a flock of sheep, you have a flock of honeybees because you are small animals and they are very large bees. Um, this is good stuff. It's it good sounds times. like it, yes. It's very cute. Yes, it's adorable. And can confirm the illustration is it, it's it's worth it as an art book pretty much, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's everything that goes with it is just like the most wholesome, comfortable vibe to an RPG book that I've ever seen before. Like it's it's just so left field compared to everything else. It, it's really unique. Now I'm gonna challenge you for a second. Do you think a nine year old could read it? I think so. Uh... Probably, I, I would say maybe some of the concepts might be a little difficult to grasp right away. Just mm. like, not even necessarily from like a terminology standpoint, but just the kind of the overall themes of like uh, identity and self-reflection and maturing as a person and. Well, I mean, the uh, first time you read The Hobbit as a kid, you didn't get everything the first time. Either. Yeah, it yeah. Right. It's, it's kind of like you read The Hobbit, you're like, oh, fun adventure story. Yeah. yeah. And then you read it later after you've, you know, received an education in history and you go, oh. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh. 
oh, these are broken men returning to their homes after seeing man-made horrors beyond their comprehension. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I will have to look into that because I've not heard yeah. of it. Maybe we could do okay, stealing blatantly from Penny Arcade here. We do a mouse guard <laughs> alchemist club. I would be a hundred percent ready to play mouse guard the moment you say so. Like, drop with a hat. I will create um, Terra Jux Hairco. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I get to be a badger monk who's a cleric. And eats way too much. Seems reasonable. A little outside the scope of of Mouse Guard, though, I think. Terra Jump Perco. Yeah, I don't know what the the scaling is on that. Because, like, when I picture Mouse Guard, I'm a Redwall kid. I grew up with Redwall. I read every single Redwall book basically on, like, a rotating cycle from the library. Uh-huh. Um, support your local library, everyone. Do They're it. great. Um, in Redwall, you have like field mice and badgers. As it was always unclear if they're like semi comparable size, but they're definitely the not. Badgers like, were bigger, but they weren't like they weren't real world size. Twice the size. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. They could all still exist within the same buildings, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So that's. That's what I've always had in my head, but um, I've also never actually looked at Mouse Guard in depth, so it's possible that the <laughs> they have an illustration somewhere in the book of, like, two tiny mice with sewing needles for weapons, and then, like, a, a whole-ass badger, and it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. We've... Uh, come up to our roughly 45 minute quota <laughs> of nonsense here. So, so we have a many we have many ideas for this the 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 side quest Alch- alchemist club. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to ponder and parse. Um anyway, uh thanks for joining us for an alchemist club after hours. Uh, apologies that you are not getting a regularly scheduled episode. Hopefully we will have one for you uh, next week once Daniel has recovered from his uh, unfortunate circumstances. I've been Joe, uh, your host, and just I'm just really your host this time. Not really many <laughs> dungeons to master in this episode. Uh, and joining me for this After Hours episode we had... Hey, I'm Zach. I'm Matt. I'm Waffle, and Ponder and Parse are my two weasel archer twins in our upcoming Mouse Guard campaign. <laughs> Exquisite. <laughs> they speak in riddle. <laughs> Go of read the Starless Sea. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>